This is Nightmares of the Americas, Indigenous Tales. The show will start in three, two, one. Welcome, everybody, to Nightmares of the Americas, Indigenous Tales. I'm Joseph. And I'm Gabriel. We're mixing it up. We're no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about that. Doing things a little different today. We're going to go wacky, wild, and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did? Uh, I noticed after we, re- after we recorded the last episode and I said, happy, happy birthday to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is wrong. Okay. That is not that, that was not the song on Futurama. What was it then? It was today or what day is today? Oh, today yeah. it's it's your day or today's your birthday. Let's all something something. Let's all have some cake. <laughs> <laughs> it was and then after I recorded, I was like, ah, dang it, I messed it up. And I can't Man. believe I messed with Futurama because Futurama, The Office, Deep Space Nine, um, Star Trek Voyager, um, what else? Cheers. The Gilmore Girls. I no, I don't know what that is, but um, all like the nerdy shows like that. Jeez. Those are like my quote quotes for life. I just I know all of those backwards, forwards, sideways, and now for the first time, I'm rewatching Always Sunny. Oh wow, he, yeah, which it's still. I mean, it holds up. Well, it doesn't really hold up, but to me, it holds <laughs> up because I'm still ba- like way back then in like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm like, oh, this is fun. And then if I put like my 2023 goggles on, I'm like, oh, this oh, is all bad. No. Yeah, Turn it off. So how does it feel to be uh, older? I'm an old, One year. wise man. Now all of a sudden, he has a long beard. I feel the same. A long must- mustache. I feel exactly the same. So, well. <laughs> I'm yelling at the kids on my lawn, even though there's no kids on my lawn. Get off my... I'm keeping the ball. And there are old man <laughs> B-heels over there. Throw eggs at his house. And then your wife runs out in her house shoes and she's all, get out of here. <laughs> she's an old lady. <laughs> she's not even 30. She's not even 30 yet. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> That's what happens. It, it does. It surely does. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the giveaway because it's over. Yeah. And there is a lucky winner, but we're in the future. Three lucky winners. Or we're in the past. We're recording in the past. This is we're in the future. Or the present. Before the winners are announced. Yeah. Yes, I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> Time is uh, so. If you understand, in Deep Space Nine. Oh no! The founders in the wormhole—they get Captain Cisco, and then you find out about time. And time is not linear. But us corporeal beings understand. We think that time is linear, which is funny to the founders. You're a corporeal being. I'm not a corporeal being. I am. I surely am a corporeal <laughs> being. So we don't understand how time works. But congratulations to the lucky three winners. Um, I'm glad you guys followed us. And liked and subscribed and and did all the fun mm-hmm. stuff. And you guys are the true winners. Yes. Because you won. So you guys are the, the dreamers of so. dreamers. <laughs> <laughs> so follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Indigenous underscore Tales. And we have sporadic giveaways. So next time, if you're listening to this in, in the future, just Click on it anyway and go to us and find out that we still do giveaways because we're going to continue, continually do giveaways. I can't even talk. I'm so excited. I'm going to continuously do giveaways. It's ready for the giveaways. Thank you guys for supporting us and participating, yeah. and we hope you enjoy your merch. And also, if you would please go to any of the platforms and just subscribe to us or follow us, whatever it's called. Give us a review if you're capable of giving us a review. Or if it's capable, I know Apple is, I think Google you can, and I don't know. But if you can't give us a review, it's fine. Just give us five stars. And then if you want a free sticker, screenshot that five stars. And if you're on Apple or have an Apple device, that really helps us out even more. So write a review, screenshot it, send it to info at beaglenetwork.com with your mailing address and your alias, and we'll shoot you out some free stickers. And stickers are back ordered, so continue. I will keep saying this until we get the stickers. <laughs> then we get the stickers, we're gonna be like, we're almost out of stickers because we just had all the, we had to back yeah. up, so we had to give them all out. But it's free, and it's free to help us out, and it's free to get stickers. So we appreciate you guys, and thank you so very much. Yes. Now that all that's over, let's get into part four of the Osage Indian murder. Yeah. So I hope you guys have been liking this series. We're gonna close it out with this episode. We could do a lot more. So much more. And I know in the future we're going to do an FBI episode. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be on their list, which we're probably right oh, on their list. Oh, no. 
The Federal Bureau of Instigators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like NASA. Never a straight answer. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be a... We all know how those federal agencies are. They're listening right now. Don't trust them. <laughs> I know, they are. Don't trust them. They're all Their liars. Mics are bugged. Everything's bugged. Oh, no. I see one right behind Shut you. There's a bug right <laughs> there. Oh. Yeah, that'll be a, a, a fun uh, series to do. Anyway, so we left you last week with... The main subject being Peg, Brian Burkhart, yep. the brother of Ernest, the nephew of Hale. And Hale, as we know, is the friend of the Osage. Yeah, he's king of the Osage. Or he's king of Osage County. Yeah. He had his fingers and everything. So after they questioned that farmer and his wife, they questioned a few other witnesses that said they saw Brian and Anna. Um, where uh, they saw Brian and Anna were at a local speakeasy around 1 p.m. Later that night at around 3 a.m. or 1 a.m. I'm sorry. I don't know. I said p.m. That's dumb. <laughs> they time traveled. They did. They time traveled. I'm all, I'm all messed up right now. So it was 1 a.m. Later that night at around 3 a.m. They both were seen with a third man. Some say they heard Brian tell Anna to stop her foolishness and get back in the car after that she was never seen from again later that early morning a neighbor said he saw brian pulling up in his driveway and brian said not to say a word pulled out some uh, greenbacks and put them in his pocket <laughs> so that's what i called him back then greenbacks his good old pocketbook yeah his pocket his purse. his purse oh he had a purse that's what they call them. Remember back then? Yeah. They called them purses. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to get a purse. <laughs> if you watch, uh, what was that movie? Deadpool? He mm -hmm. said, my prison purse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want that purse. <laughs> Completely different thing. <laughs> no. White thought, what could be his motive if he did kill Anna? Was he involved in the other deaths? And also, who was the third man? So later that year, White knew that there was a mole inside of the investigation. The local attorney was doing everything to stop the investigation, and when pressed, he said he had seen the agent's documents. So all of their files, this local attorney's like, I picture him like that chicken on Futurama. Mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> with the suspenders. <laughs> where he has suspenders, <laughs> and he's all, he's all, well, I'm just, uh, I don't know much. I'm not like these big city <laughs> fellows in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I'm a country lawyer. And, um, he's like pecking he in the saw, courtroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, he saw the documents. He knew that Morris was, or Morrison was one of the informed. Did we call him Morris last episode? No, I think we said Morrison. Oh, okay. Okay. I was just wondering. I was like, I said, I saw it because I had it mistyped on my mm -hmm. notes and I was all, did I say Morris or Morrison? If we did say Morris last episode, I'm going to go ahead and correct that right now. It was Morrison. Yeah. Okay. So he knew that Morrison was one of the informants and they were working for him. So soon after two PIs were letting everyone know that Morrison was working for the Bureau. They even threw him in jail on trumped up charges. So now these attorneys, these private investigators, they didn't say who yet, but they were all working with the, uh, it could be Hale. It could be the Burkharts. Mm -hmm. They're working for someone. And they had all these charges on him, threw him in jail. Mor Morrison told White he better find the murderers before they killed him next. So he's terrified because he's just this drunk bootlegger. And he's like, I don't know what's going yeah. on. Get me out of here. Seeing all these people being killed. He's like, I'm going to be next. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the agents, the, the PIs, it was Pike. And if you remember Pike from the last episode, Pike was hired by Hale in 1921. Yeah. So when they were going through Pike's. Uh, notes from 1921 because remember white had all the pi ever, even hale was like hale was like oh here's all the investigate like the notes that pike left the white horn estate and molly and uh, i don't remember their guard her guardian but they had they were like okay they had everything together and gave it all to mm -hmm. white so he can look through all of them he left out a few details he knew the identity of the third person in the car so burger Agent Berger, oh, God, he's over guy. there with this uh, in and out sauce on his face, <laughs> and he has like a French fry. He's like, let me write that down. Pulls a French fry out of his yeah. pocket, and he's like, oh, nah, dang it, it's cold. <laughs> Throws it away. I just think of the guy from Popeye, the guy that used burgers. Forgot his name. Wimpy? Is that his name? He always had burgers. Yeah, Wimpy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday 
for a hamburger yeah, today. That's what I picture. <laughs> yeah. I was picturing the guy on Cartoon Network with the big burger head. <laughs> Bunch of burger burgers are Yeah. So Burger found an intermediary between Pike and Burger. Burger's talking to this one guy, the other guy's relaying. They're playing phone tag for some reason. Or telephone. What's that? Wasn't that a game where you start talking to somebody and everything mm-hmm. gets all mixed up? Yeah. So the informant said Pike would only give up the name for a boatload of cold hard cash. He said, I want that cheddar, baby. That's how you do it. However, Pike was found and he was arrested because they're like, we're <laughs> yeah. not playing this crap. You know, you idiot. Now it's extortion. Guess what? You just said that to a federal agent. You're going mm. to jail. You're dumb. You can't just so wait. I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> That's like those idiots that look for like, um, uh, like they want to kill somebody. So they're like assassin. And mm-hmm. they put it in Google assassin for yeah. sale. And then they go, okay, you're talking to a federal agent, you idiot. Mm-hmm. Whoever's trying to kill somebody, whoever, if someone responds, they're either a 19-year-old kid that thinks it's hilarious, and he's going to be like, I only work in Bitcoin. And then he's going to make you set up an account, and he's going to rob you, right. and then you're not going to be able to do anything. Or it's a federal <laughs> agent that's like, okay, cool. Just like they did the Tiger King. Yeah, they got just, him. We just got you. <laughs> yeah. So this idiot's like, I'm going to extort the federal government. Well, they threw him in jail. So while he was in jail, he told White that the man in the car was a local gambler that was at the speakeasy with Anna and Brian. However, witnesses said the man, he left a lot sooner than Brian and Anna. So he didn't have the right information. So White thought, you know what? I think this guy's just pulling my leg because he's he seems to know a lot more. White started grilling Pike and he started to talk. So he said he was never hired by Hale to find Anna's killers. Mm-hmm. He was hired to disrupt the investigation, create false leads, false witnesses, and spread misinformation. He also said he was hired and paid by Hale directly. There you go. Threw him under the bus. Yeah, he said, yeah, he's like, just let me go. I'm sorry. He, he did everything. <laughs> White asked, was Hale just protecting Brian or was he involved in the killing? Pike said Hale, Brian himself, and Ernest were all in on hiding the truth also Ernest would never talk to them when molly was around so now he threw Ernest under the bus who's the husband of molly seems like this entire family eh, it seems like they're all in cahoots yeah they're all corrupt white needed to see what information hale and the two brothers were hiding he also thought bill molly's brother-in-law must have been getting close to the truth or maybe he found out altogether and that's why him and his family were killed white interviewed the nurse that was on duty when Bill was in the hospital. Because remember, Bill didn't die immediately in the blast with Rita and was her name Nettie? I think so. The two women, they died immediately. Mm-hmm. And then Bill, he was just, I mean, what a horror. I would rather die immediately. I don't want to know that my wife blew up and, you know, even though he was a piece of crap. Well, even just being in pain stuff, for that long, like just suffering. It would just be just awful. Take me. I'll be like, take me out, doc. Just give me something. Shoot me. Oh, back then, they'd give you the good stuff, too. Just morphine you right up or oh, uh, opium. They're all bring the horse tranquilizer. <laughs> no, they just go in there with some opium. You get all loaded. There you go. Man, I sound so old. I'm all, you get all loaded. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> showing my age, guys. <laughs> he asked if Bill happened to say anything before he died. The nurse said before he died, the doctors, the two brothers, they got Bill's lawyer and asked the nurse to leave the room. White believed that the Schoen brothers were somehow involved and that they either got rid of the bullet that killed Anna or they were still holding on to it. But he thought, no, 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 they're too much involved in all this stuff and they have to know something. White interviewed the two brothers and they each said the same thing. Bill never revealed who he thought had killed them. The lawyer was also interviewed and he said the same thing the brothers said, but he also added something. He said Bill told him that he only had two enemies in the world, Hale and Ernest Burkhart. Hmm. So that sounds I like mean, a motive. It's a little par, par <laughs> for the course, right? I mean, he, he said it. Yeah. And back then they were like dying confessions held a lot of weight. Oh, yeah. So if he was like, it was Bill. Uh, he said it while he was dying. Yeah. Write and it down. Someone, yep. They would do that. Especially if he had a lawyer there. So the lawyer, I mean, that's a man of truth. Yeah. <laughs> he has the law on his side and the Lord. Lawyers don't lie. Never. I've never heard of an unjust lawyer. No. Oh, I digress. 
White found out that James Schoen was named executor of Rita's estate. Oh, come on. Then he got the lawyer and Bill signed some documents. Did he know what he was even signing? Well, they asked the other brother and he said he was of right mind. And he said, was he? He said, yes, he was. He said, are you sure? He goes, I'm a doctor. And I said he was. They asked the lawyer and the lawyer said he seemed to know what he was doing. I don't know. Yep. Well, the doctors were, they all agreed and the lawyer agreed. So it kind of just, we're at a standstill with that part of the investigation. The agent that was acting as an insurance agent, remember him, he spoke with a woman telling her he was looking for a home to buy. And she said, you need to talk to Hale. He owns everything around here. Then she just started to talk because she just, I guess she was just a chatty Kathy. So she said, his farm burned down a few years back and no one knew who set the fire, but I do. It was Hale's workers. <laughs> he burned it for the insurance money. $30,000. Yeah, she was just waiting to tell anybody. <laughs> she was like, yeah, she was. Like, you know, her husband's like, damn it, woman. Yeah. Shut up. You're going to get us killed. She's all, he, he's a nice man, but I'm going to tell all of his business everywhere. <laughs> now, White was all in on Hale. You got Pike, who said he paid him to mess up the investigation. Mm-hmm. You have this woman who said... Hale burned down. Now he's committing insurance fraud. And if you remember, Molly was like, if they could even get to Hale, then no one's untouchable. Right. Because they thought Hale, they did this to shut up Hale. And then you have Bill who said, I only have two enemies. And he named Hale as one of them. <laughs> the next question was, how did Hale become the beneficiary of Rowan's life insurance policy? The insurance guy said he remembered that Hale wanted to make the policy in the amount of $10,000. But he thought that that price was way too high for an Indian. Of course. Yeah, because, you know, you're not worth that. It's way too high. Hale said he kept loaning Rowan money, and that's why he needed the price, just in case something happened to Rowan. The insurance guy, well, he turned him away. Then later on, Hale came back with a bank note that didn't look very convincing and said Rowan owed him $25,000, saying, I kept loaning him money. Because his guardian wouldn't give him money, so I kept loaning him money because he liked to spend money, and now it's up to 25K. He also said that he lied on the forms that asked if he was ever turned down for a policy before. But he just wanted to make the sale, so he approved the policy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he even asked Hale, what are you going to do? Kill the Indian? And Hale said, hell yes, and laughed. So when White's talking to him, he goes, you didn't think that was kind of suspicious? Like, suspicious or- something? And he said, I just wanted to make the sale, and I thought he was making a joke. He's all. <laughs> he asked him if he ever made a policy like this before, and he said no. No, the guy just wanted to get paid. Yeah. Because around this time, White was finding out about the Indian business. Mm-hmm. He was finding out about all the fraud. And I think they calculated that over two years or three years that the judges, the guardians, not all the guardians. Some of the guardians were good. They were they thought it was bull crap that they did it and they were had good hearts. Yeah, so let, they let them spend them, their man. own money. But it, yeah, it was few, <laughs> few of them, right? There wasn't many. And the other ones, it was, they literally spoke in the open. It was the Indian business. That's what they called it. Mm-hmm. And they said that they embezzled, stole, took whatever you want to call it over $9 million from them in total in two years. Yeah. And that's $9 million of of old school money. So I don't know how much that is. So much money. Well, here comes the sheriff. He was also involved and he was doing everything to make the case about bunch. He was the guy that Rowan's wife cheated on that we talked about. I think in the first episode, Mm -hmm. Hale even told him that to get out of town and he gave him a whole bunch of money. And bunch was like, I'm not going to go out of town because it's going to make me look suspicious. And I didn't do it. Yeah. So Hale used his power to try to railroad Bunch for the murder. Hale also went to Rowan's widow's house and tried to get her to sign some papers about Rowan's estate. Because if you remember, everyone said that Hale was Rowan's best friend. Yeah. So he was a pallbearer and he 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 did everything he could for he Rowan. His best interest for him. Well, she refused. And when Hale left, he gave her a bottle of whiskey. Just said, here, just take this because it was still prohibition. So, mm-hmm. you know, here's a nice little bottle. Just take this and whenever you need, just get a little nip. But she never drank it because she thought, oh, it's probably poison. 
Yeah, it's good thinking too. Yeah, but there was still no evidence against Hale because she threw it away. So she didn't keep it. This has been this is like oh. five years later. So she's not keeping a bottle of whiskey if it's poison. You're throwing that stuff out. Right. Well, one name kept coming up over and over again. His name was Dick Gregg. He was a stick-up man and part of a crime gang. They had a yeg man. I think as well they call him a yeg, not an egg. That's the safe cracker. Yeah, they were they like got the, all these the safe cracker dude. Yeah. Um Oh, what was it? There's a book about Carl Panzeram, who's like a crazy serial killer murder guy in the 20s. There's a chapter where it's so funny because the Yeg was was going there and talking to the Yam Yam. And then they had the, <laughs> the wheel guy with the stick up man. And he was. A, and it's like, what the hell are you saying? Like, you know, It's all these weird <laughs> words. Well, that that do. Yeah. All these weird <laughs> contraptions. Stuff. So White met with Greg and Greg said. I'd have to be stupid to cross hail. And he said, if word got out, I wouldn't be alive much longer. But eventually he did talk. He said that Hale wanted to hire him and his gang for a job. He said he wanted them to knock off a man and his blanket, which means Indian wife. Yeah. It's so much weird racism back then. <laughs> but Greg said he wouldn't do it. He doesn't kill women. It wasn't his style. Man, <laughs> I like those old timey gangs, too. They always had fun names. Oh, it was all the buckshot gang. <laughs> yeah, it was something weird. <laughs> well, one day, White got a call from the governor of Oklahoma, the new governor, because old one got ousted. Remember that? Oh, yeah. He said they kept getting a call from a prisoner that knew about the murders. His name was Burt Lawson. He said that he used to work for Bill Smith in 1918 and ended up becoming friends with Hale and Burkhart Brothers because it was all the cattle ranching business. Sometime in 1921, he found out that Smith was sleeping with his wife or had like some kind of intimate affair with his wife. So it broke up his whole family. He got mad and he left his employment. Later on that year, Hale found him and said he had a job for him to kill Bill Smith and his wife. All he had to do was use a little bit of nitroglycerin and he cut a piece of fuse <laughs> off in his pocket and handed it to him. So he just walked around with a line of fuse in his pocket. <laughs> so all you need is this nitroglycerin. Like the Zohan? Nitroglycerin. Yeah. <laughs> Some neosporin. <laughs> well, they used to just blow up everything all the time back then. Yeah. Like, oh, we're making a railroad. Blow it up. Oh, we're doing a well. Blow it up. Blow it <laughs> so to hell. Nitroglycerin everywhere. <laughs> he said he'd pay him $5,000, but Lawson refused. Later, he got sent to jail for murdering a fisherman. <laughs> so I don't know what happened with that, but Lawson yeah. got in a fight with a fisherman, killed him. Well, if you remember, Hale was what? A deputy sheriff. Mm -hmm. So he came to the jail and offered him the job again and said he could get the charges dropped. He finally agreed to the job. Took him out in the middle of the night, dropped him off at the Smith's house, and Hale and Ernest drove away. So with the bomb in his hands, he waited for them to go to sleep, placed the bomb under their cellar, lit the fuse, and ran like hell towards the car. He got back in the car, and they took him back to the cell and locked him up. So after all that happened, later on, he was acquitted. Charges were dropped. Man. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like, but like bombing is such an old-timey thing. You just blow stuff up, and they're like, well, the, the Johnsons got blown up yesterday. Now it's like everything gets shut down. Homeland Security gets involved. Choppers. The president. Well, I mean, you line. had the Oklahoma City bombing. That was in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. You no, but I mean, it's Boston bombing that was in like, that was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It just seems like it was more frequent. Well, I think you could like nitroglycerin. I don't know anything about nitroglycerin. I just know in the movies there, everyone's all like holding it and they'll, <laughs> yeah, it's and they drop stable. it and it was all hit the dick. <laughs> <laughs> One drop, just Grand Canyon size explosion. And then, uh, on lost, remember when they find the airplane and they have the dynamite sticks. Oh all, yeah. That's leaking nitroglycerin. Like, How do you sweat. know that? <laughs> just know <laughs> yes you just know now they had a witness and they needed to get info on the burkhart brothers and see if they could get them arrested white was also worried about molly because she had everyone's money remember because minnie died mm -hmm. left the money to the mom yeah anna died left the money to the mom she died she left the money to molly yeah, and she wasn't married. She didn't have kids. Molly was married and did have kids. Or who wasn't married? Not one of them wasn't married. No, Anna. Anna wasn't wasn't oh, yeah, didn't Anna. have kids, and um, Minnie didn't have kids, and Anna didn't have kids. And Minnie, she was married to Bill Smith. Right, right, right. And then she died of wasting disease. Mm -hmm. And then when she died, Bill was like, "Uh, she didn't leave me the money. She left to her mom. So 
Rita, what's up? And then he went to Rita. <laughs> yeah. And then when them two died, Bill signed documents out of his right mind. So who knows where that money went? Mm-hmm. So now Molly has all the money and she's married to Ernest. So realistically, they should be putting like security all around Molly, making sure she does not die. Right. She, she's the last one. If she dies and she loved her husband and Ernest was made the beneficiary, then he would get inherit the money. Her priest said that her diabetes was getting worse and she was staying at home all the time because she was worried that she would be killed. She was getting insulin injections by the brothers every day, but it wasn't working. She kept getting more sick and more sick. Mm-hmm. White was thinking that they were using the injections to poison her. Uh, yeah, that's reasonable to think. It is. A DOJ official said they need to get that woman to the hospital and get her away from her husband. Well, finally, a warrant for the arrest of Hale and Ernest Burkhart was issued in January 1926. They had the marshals pick them up because if you guys don't know, they did not have federal jurisdiction because this is before the FBI. This is just a Bureau of Investigation. Right. These guys are just kind of like there. They didn't even carry guns. <laughs> they weren't allowed to carry guns. So they were just like, well, we're just here to investigate. And then you guys can do all the work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Burkhart was found easy and he was taken into custody. It was said that Hale bought a brand new hat and a brand new suit. And the agents thought, oh, he's fling. He he got a new, I guess that's what he did back then because he was all fancy. So you would get a new travel outfit. Man. But one day he walked into the office of the agents and said, I understand I'm wanted and turned himself in. He wanted to look nice. <laughs> yeah. He said, I'm going to look fresh and put on his little, his fresh hat and his, uh, his nice new suit. And there was a newspaper man there and the newspaper man, he starts talking to him and he says, Oh, do you want to talk about the case? And he says, I'll, I'll let justice prevail. He just kept saying like, Oh, j- let justice do its job. Nope. I'm not going to talk about it. Let justice do its job. How about the weather? Oh, we have nice weather. And he kept trying to get him to talk. And he goes, I'll let justice do Like he just kept saying, it was like Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here. So I don't get fined. Oh, how was it playing the Super Bowl? I'm just here so, so I don't get fired. He was like that. Seeing how confident Hill seemed, White and his agents decided the nervous-looking Burkhart was the broken one. White and Smith began questioning Burkhart, but the man denied any information about Lawson. White and his agent Smith drilled Ernest for hours in a hot, stuffy box in the interrogation room, but Burkhart wouldn't budge. And after midnight, White and Smith gave up and took Burkhart back to his cell. The next day was in even more trouble when Hale announced that he could prove he was in Texas at the time of the explosion. So Hale's always like, it seems like this dude's always got a plan. It's like, hold on. I got an alibi. Oh, yeah. He's one step ahead of everybody. Yeah, he does. White realizes that Lawson has been lying for a long time. In his desperation to get Hale, he has fallen prey to the outlaw story. So he's desperate and he tracks down and interrogates a dangerous outlaw named Blackie Thompson about Hale and Burkhart's role in the Osage murders. Blackie said that Ernest and Hale used to approach him with an old friend about the murders of Bill and Rita Smith, offering to pay off Blackie Ernest's car. So if if Hale didn't have all this money, I feel like none of this would even happen. Because that's how he gets everybody. Oh, yeah. I'll pay you, or I'll I'll do this for you, give you some money. Well, he's a scam artist, too. Yeah. So Blackie stole Ernest's car in a driveway one night, but he was quickly caught. White and his agent then take Blackie to see Burkhart to show Ernest that they know everything. And much later that night, Ernest told one of that on one of White's agents that he was finally defeated and he was ready to confess. Burkhart tells White that although he didn't kill Bill and Rita, he knows who did and he wants to tell his story. He reveals that Hale actually plotted to kill Rita and Bill. When Hale informed Ernest of the plan, Ernest objected. But Hale reminded Ernest that he and Molly would inherit all of the couple's money if he did this. Burkhart, who had long idolized his uncle, agreed to the plan, and Hale began recruiting outlaws who might want to take the job. Burkhart reveals that Lawson had nothing to do with the work, and that Hale had specifically come to Fort Worth during the bombing, so he had an alibi, while Asa Kirby, the soup seller, did the job. I don't think we've talked about him yet, have we? No, we didn't talk about him at all. I read through it and read read about him. So but now we're introducing him. the soup seller. <laughs> Such a weird name. Burkhart also revealed that Hale arranged the murder of Henry Rowan for insurance money and identified John Ramsey as the culprit. With the case expanding, 
White asked his agents to capture John Ramsey and bring him in. Ramsey also confessed to his role in the plot. When making his statement, he repeatedly referred to Henry Rowan as, quote-unquote, the Indian. And he tried to justify his crimes by stating that even now, whites in Oklahoma don't think about killing another Indian just like they did in, in 1724. See, so they just didn't care. Well, that's the thing, too. So something in the book that we read was that the Little House on the Prairie, mm-hmm. Laura Ingalls, yeah. the Little House on the Prairie. So she wrote, I don't know if I said it before or something like that. Maybe I did in the last episode or a I couple episodes know. ago. But she said they were mm-hmm. in Kansas when the Osage were in Kansas. And she said she asked her dad and said, well, we, you don't like the Indians? And he said, nope. And she said, then why did we move to their country? <laughs> because she was little and she didn't understand. So she was like, why do we move to their country if we don't like them? And he said, well, we moved because we're going to get the first claims to their prop to their land. And she said, well, that's their land. They're living on it. And her dad said, well, don't worry. The more of us that come here, then the government's going to move them because we, we deserve that land. She knew. Yeah. But that was the. But that was the mindset. The mindset was, if we move there and we start being productive and we're, we're paying taxes, the government's getting funded by mm-hmm. the by the people. So we're paying taxes, even though back then taxes were like oh, 2%. Yeah. Now it's like 35%, 40%. Give us half your percent If you live in California, <laughs> um, that's beside the point because the federal government, they're a bunch <laughs> of crooks, supposed to be ran by the people. Anyway, so this was the mindset mm-hmm. of the people back then. If they got attacked, they'd just shoot them. Be like, well, they yeah. were just a savage. They were just, an, uh, oh, they didn't know what they were doing. They're just monsters. And then the sheriff, and, the sheriff would take their word for it. The court would take their word for it. No, they wouldn't mm. even go to court. You caught, what did you do? Kill an Indian? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's like killing a dog. <laughs> and that's yeah. what they would do. So I could understand that some of these people back then, they still mm. believed it, especially back in the back parts of Oklahoma where they still, there's, Especially the jealousy of the Osage. They're just jealous of the Osage and all that crap. Yeah. So sad. So later, White returns to Burkhart to question him about Anna's murder. And Burkhart reveals that Kelsey Morrison, the bootlegger and informant, was the one who had put the bullet in Anna's head. White sent a doctor to check on Molly. She appeared to be dying and the authorities, judging her symptoms, believed she was poisoned. Molly was then taken to a hospital where she immediately began to feel better and the Schoen brothers are brought in for questioning. So like you were saying how they stopped the Schoen brothers were the ones giving her the insulin, but then once they moved her to the hospital and stopped, she started getting better. So it was, yeah, so it was yeah, like, they were why are you all of a sudden getting better now that these doctors aren't treating you? And the husband was allowing it, Ernest. Yeah, he's all, come on, sweetie, you gotta get your shot. So the brothers are very evasive and they're denying any of their wrongdoing and white is unable to implicate them into the poison. When Molly felt well enough, she was also questioned faced with the facts. She refuses to believe that Ernest may have been involved in any conspiracy against her family. She insists that she loves her husband and that he would never hurt anyone else. And especially her carrying Burkhart and Ramsey's proclamation, white and agent Smith confront Hale. White humbly tells Hale that he has enough evidence to convict Hale of a grand conspiracy. As White described the evidence, Hale remained unfazed. So White tries to convince Hale to confess and avoid a fierce legal battle, but Hale almost happily replies that he plans to fight the charges against him, like he was being smug about it. (laughs) Because he he was just so cocky. He's like, I I mean, he's got away with so much at this point, I kind of don't blame him. Well, he has everybody in his pocket too. Yeah, so he, I mean, he has he has lawyers, he has investigators, he has. I mean, I'm wondering if he was in cahoots with the previous governor. Probably, I wouldn't because he has him. so much money and he has so much accolades that mm-hmm. he he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, and that's really sad that like Molly, yeah, you don't want to believe Molly. the worst to your spouse. No, why would you want to believe the worst like the worst thing about them? You don't. Love is. Love is terrible sometimes. <laughs> I'm telling you, you could you could just for, you could forgive so much, and you could just be beaten up and torn down and treated like garbage. And I know people people in like abused relationships and stuff. People on the outside are like, 
well, if that happened to me, I'm like, shut up. If that happened to you, you don't know what you would do because you're not in that situation. Yeah, you, don't, you never know. It's really hard, and it's a personal thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're trying to convince this lady who has been with this man for a long time, and all of her family's dead. So he's the only family she has left. Right now they're now they're saying like he's involved. She's like no, like she's in denial about it. Oh, why would you believe it? You can't believe it. Mm-mm. So after that, a federal prosecutor urges White to ensure that Hale does not face trial at the state level, as his power and influence means he will likely be able to seduce and buy ransom to escape trial. However, since serial murders occurred in the Indian Territory, the question arises as to which government entity has jurisdiction over them. When authorities discovered that Henry Rowan had been killed at the federally controlled Osage estate, Hale and Ramsey were charged with Rowan's murder in federal court and faced the death penalty. And that's what they would do. That's the thing. Even to this day. Oh, yeah. There's so much like red tape. and Oh, my gosh. It's so awful that they will come onto to, uh, Indian land. They'll come onto the reservations mm-hmm. and people will commit murders. They'll commit crimes. And then they'll be like, well, you can't touch me. Can't touch me. Yeah, because then the tribal police have no jurisdiction. And but then once they leave. The well, other, the state police has no jurisdiction. It has police, to be federal. Yeah, like it's everyone. Federal like, can't well, come in unless there's uh, I mean, when federal comes in, it's way too late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's awful that it's 2023 and this shit is still happening. It's yep. ridiculous. So a formidable prosecution team is assembled as Hale searches for an attorney. Ernest Burkhart told White that he overheard Hale assuring John Ramsey that Hale had sorted everything out from the road warden to the governor. As the day of his trial drew near, Hale began hiring assassins and private detectives to, quote unquote, handle potential witnesses. (laughs) But the one White was most worried about was Burkhart, who confessed to White that he feared that he would soon be disabled or killed. White assured Burkhardt that he would be protected by the government and hire two members of his team to get Burkhardt out of Oklahoma and keep him safe until his trial. So they were taking this serious. They were like, look, we we think you'd get killed, too. So we got to move you to a safe location because so much. And I was in the witness protection program. Yeah. So on March 1st, 1926, a judge ruled that the case could not be heard in federal court and must be heard at the state level. Hale and Ramsey are about to be released. (laughs) So they're like, that had to be one of his pulls. (laughs) Probably the pair began celebrating in the courtroom, but then were approached by Sheriff Freeze or Freyes. I think it's Freyes who arrested (laughs) Fragili. He arrested both the men on the state charges of bomb murder. White was relieved that the men were not free, but was not happy with the idea of hearing the case in state court. At the preliminary hearing on March 12th, the courtroom was packed with Osage men and women, many of whom were relatives of the Hale victims. Reporters, cowboys, men and women, it was just a packed house. There were social women and students. A reporter present wrote that people had gathered to catch the drama of blood and gold. The hearings began and continued smoothly until the afternoon when Ernest Burkhart spoke. One of Hale's lawyers accuses Ernest of being a traitor to his blood, and it's clear that Ernest is losing all the strength that he's gathered. He seems like a weak son of a (laughs) crap. He's a weenie. Gosh, how are you that weak? Oh, my uncle, I can't do it anymore. (laughs) Well, he did love his uncle. They don't like me. No, his uncle had control over him. Yeah, he idolized them, though, which is kind of weird. He manipulated them all. I know he he was manipulated by his uncle. Man, so sad. But he's a weenie. (laughs) When one of Hale's lawyers asked to speak to Burkhart privately, they all left the courtroom and entered the private room for half an hour. Oh, he's over there going, look, your uncle's going to put a bullet in your head. So you better come over to our side or you're going to get a bullet. Yeah, we got to talk in private real quick. Stop everything. (laughs) When Burkhart showed up, his new lawyer announced that he had switched to defense. White tries to get Burkhart's attention, but he is swept away by the crowd of Hale supporters. And then the next morning, Burkhart announced that he refuses to testify to the state and withdrew his confession, denying his entire involvement or knowledge of any of the crimes. <laughs> well, there you so go. So he completely flipped out of nowhere. 
I don't know what they talked about in that 30 minutes, but he got scared of something. He told him he's going to put a bullet in his head. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. White is devastated at this point that he lost one of the most important pieces of evidence against Hale. Then in May, as Burkhart's, Burkhart's trial began, White faced an even bigger crisis. Hale testified that White and his agents had coerced Burkhart and John Ramsey and that they were beaten and electrocuted during their interrogations. <laughs> Man, they put the sponges on them? I guess. They got the sponges on them? <laughs> They're over there Shocky doing sponges. the whole, uh, who was it? Uh, the Green Mile? Oh, no. What was his <laughs> name? Uh, the electricity guy. The one who stole everything from Tesla. Oh, um, oh no. I was just I reading about him yesterday. I know. I just have a whole brain Thomas Edison. right now. Thomas Edison, the thief. Edison, who killed elephant. Yeah. He was all like, I'll tell you what's better. DC. <laughs> Kill. <laughs> he killed a whole yeah. elephant. What a jerk. Yeah. So he pulled an Edison on him. Yeah. Just they, they started shocking him and <laughs> slapping him. I could just like, slap. And then all of a sudden, just walked him, just smack. Just like one little punk snap. So they were being mean to me. (laughs) They pulled my ears and then pulled my nose and then (laughs) they told me that my mama didn't love me. I couldn't stand it. She always gave me a bowl of sweets. Oh, a good old bowl of sweets. (laughs) On June 7th, Ernest Burkhardt arranged for the judge in charge of the case to meet him in the country jail. Ernest nervously pacing back and forth in his cell claims that he wants to end his lie, but is unable to tell his lawyer that he wants to be a prosecution witness again. The judge arranged for another lawyer to be in charge of Ernest, and on June 9th, Ernest informed the court of his decision to plead guilty instead. God, I hate this guy so, he's so flipping much. Back. He's, I, mean, I hate him so He's such a weenie about everything. I don't know if that would fly in. I mean, it probably would in today's court. If you're like, hold on, I'm switching, and then hold on. No, they'll just plead you out. They don't do court cases anymore. They just give you a deal. They always no. They don't ever give you a deal. They they basically just try to say, okay, just you're going to be guilty, and then you go, okay. They they try to scare you with all these charges and stuff. And usually, it's mostly people who have lower education levels who are in poverty. Oh yeah, people who just don't know like the law. They they don't. So they say we got you by the cojones right now, son. Guess what? We're going to be like, it's going to be life or death. Yeah. They're always like, we and got you going, on camera. We got oh. fingerprints. And they go, what do you yeah. want to do? We're going to make a deal. So <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to do 20 years. And you're like, I stole a bag of Doritos. And they're like 20 years. Cause we got you on kidnapping. We got you on resisting arrest. We got you on um, uh, slap, slapping a baby. We got all on tape. And then they're, you know, they're distraught. And they were never taught that if you get arrested, Shut the hell up. All of you listening right now, if you ever get arrested, you know what you do? The first thing you do, you go, lawyer. Yeah, lawyer. And then they go, because there's no arguing with the police. The police, no. are they're doing their job. And their job is get prisoner, get person and take them to jail. Right. They're not going to disobey that order. So they can't stop the system. So what you do is you shut the hell up and you say, lawyer. And then when they go, well, we saw you doing this. And you go, Lawyer. And they go, what's your name? And you go, <laughs> lawyer. I yeah. want a lawyer. I want a lawyer. Lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. And they go, we're going to keep asking you questions. And you go, be like Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> just tell them no. Just shut up. Just And then uh, once you do that, they go, damn it. And then you'll be you'll be fine. And if your name is lawyer, just say, my name's lawyer, lawyer. <laughs> yeah, just say lawyer, 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 lawyer. Just keep doing that. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. They're going to get you. That's why I don't trust them. Go to jury duty. I don't trust you. I don't like you. <laughs> I served I served this country for six years, and you know what? I'm done. I'm done. No more civil service from me, yeah. sir. Where, yeah. Where's where's my servants? Huh? <laughs> I served you. Where's my stuff? Pay me $5 a day and a nasty-ass burrito from Ugh. the freaking corner. Nasty. Just getting the buns all day at jury duty. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even the good Mexican burritos. It's the white dude over there named Ernest Burkhart who's making burritos. <laughs> and he doesn't know anything about those good burritos. Nope. So flip floppy Burkhart. He admitted that he did have a role in the murders of Bill and Rita. And the courtroom went crazy. <laughs> white was relieved and quickly messaged Hoover to tell him the news. He was excited. Coming in. We got him. Stop. <laughs> it's a Western Union. 
Send him a telegram. Send a telegram to DC. Wow. Right yeah, see? Run away, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, Burkhardt flip flops. Oh. <laughs> 1926. <laughs> During the trial of Hale and Ramsey, tension rose like crazy. Hale attempted to bribe Blackie Thompson to refuse to testify, offering to get him out of jail if he took Ernest to Mexico and took him with him. So Hale is still up to no good. Took him with him or the chickens took in the him pot? with him. Yeah, he probably was going <laughs> to kill him and just take the yeah, he was. him. So White worries that the jury is also influenced by Hale and ensures that the judge will poll the potential candidates to find out if they have been picked up by anyone on Hale's team. So you can't even there. So it's, it's yeah, it's that bad. They're even worried if the jury is in on it. that's how deep the corruption goes. It's like jurors, judges, sheriff deputies all these crazy people are involved it's awful so on the 20th the jury began deliberation but as the days passed they remained deadlocked the judge learned that more than one member of the jury had actually been bribed by hale's men and ordered their dismissal and the defendants held for a new trial so they did have some some uh mistrial some bad eggs White was stunned and disappointed, and Osage people were furious. White began investigating corruption during the first trial and discovered a series of bribery and threats. And then earlier in October, a grand jury attempted to indict defense attorney Jim Springer with attempts to obstruct justice. But the man was never charged, and although several individuals, witnesses were charged and convicted, in late October, the jury delivered its verdict. Uh-oh, here we go. They found that John Ramsey and William K. Hale were guilty of first-degree murder of Henry Rowan. Go to hell. <laughs> and that was the thing, too, is I know that they were talking about White was, like, worried because he's like, how are we going to find a bunch of white jurors that can agree Ooh, yeah. that killing an Indian is murder? Because that was the thought back then. Yeah, well, even it's now, not murder. Like, jury duty, they'll they'll ask everyone an individual question like, "Are you prejudiced towards this? Do you have any whatever about the case?" And you could say a certain thing, and they'll still keep you on the stand. They'll, it's all up to the judge. So, but back then, I don't know how they did it. If they asked them, they probably didn't even ask them questions like that, huh? No, they could have asked them that, but I mean, in the back of your head, you could be like one of those guys, like, yeah. I don't care. They killed an Indian and it doesn't mean a damn thing. Cause I mean, realistically that, that could have happened. Yeah. And that's what white was worried about. Cause he's like, man, we're in the middle of Oklahoma. They have this big dispute between the Osage and the, the white people. And it's, it's how are we going to find jurors that will not have a prejudice and not think that mm-hmm. it is not murder. Yeah, it hard. is murder. You're killing another human being, but they didn't think of it like that back then. Because mm-hmm. you got to put, you got to time travel, right? Time travel in your brain. Yeah, <laughs> go all the way back, and then think like, why the hell would they think that? It's only a couple generations past that their great their granddaddy was shooting Indians, and mm-hmm. they're telling you stories as a kid. Oh, I shot three of them, and oh, and they were doing this, and I mean, this is that time. Yeah, and it all so, it's scary that it it's all crazy. boils down to the jury, and a lot of them thought like this. Yeah, but guess what? You're going to jail, sucker. So the jury recommended life in prison instead of the death penalty, which pretty sure that pissed White off a lot. See, <laughs> so I get oh, okay. So I guess they could recommend death or life. They're all hang them in the street, and they said life, probably because they were like, well, they were Indian, so yeah, we're not going to kill you for that. Eh, so the prejudice was still a little there. Mm-hmm. So Hale and Ramsey were sent away and reporters flew out of the courtroom to document their stories. A year later, the murder of Anna Brown was prosecuted. Molly attended the trial and sat down to listen to the horrifying details of how Brian Burkhart, her brother-in-law, plotted to kill Anna. Brian took a stance and recalled returning to his crime scene a week after the shooting, along with Molly and her family, to identify Morrison, who pulled the trigger and killed Anna, was found guilty. After the trial, Molly divorced Ernest, and for the rest of her life, people were found to be startled with horror at the mere mention of her husband's name. But Ernest Ernest also got life, but I think he, he pleaded guilty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ended up just confessing to it. And Brian, 
he was uh, granted immunity. Mm-hmm. So Brian yeah. didn't go to jail. So, yeah, like it's like bittersweet because it's like a little bit of justice was served, but they could have had a way better outcome than this. So it's really yep. frustrating. And for uh, Molly, I mean, finding out that her, her husband was actually in on it. But good thing she divorced him. Yeah. I guess you were allowed to do that back then. <laughs> I wouldn't think you were. Well, that was her second divorce. I know, but it's so weird. It's like, all right, you, you get one. Two is pushing it. Three, no way. Yeah, I know. Like, our grandparents are like, no one. Like, our grandparents never got divorced. They didn't live together, but they never got divorced. No, they, like, separated. They lived uh, apart from <laughs> They lived other. in different homes. But and legally- Granny would still go over. <laughs> Granny would still go over the house <laughs> until she got mad at him. And then she would leave. <laughs> Yeah, but they weren't divorced. It's kind of weird. No, they weren't divorced. Oh, it's for man, the kids. that's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> Even the kids are like in their 30s. They have, they have babies of their own. <laughs> you know, then the kids are in their 40s and the babies are teenagers. Then they're in their 50s and then Gramps dies and the kids are in their t- late 20s. And Yeah. Oh, gosh, man. But it was that was the thing back then. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was crazy that, I mean to be in Anna's shoes. And I know that Anna had three children mm-hmm. and the children were ostracized from the tribe. And they were also ostracized from their family, the Burkharts and you know, the Hales right. and all them, they're ostracized. So one thing that I was reading in the book was that the, the boy that they had, his nickname was cowboy. Oh, yeah. And when he grew up, he found out that on the day that bill and Rita were murdered, that Molly, him, and their other two siblings mm-hmm. were supposed to stay the night at Rita and Bill's house. But one of the babies had an ear infection and was fussy. So they stayed home and never went over there. So he had to live with the fact that his dad was willing to kill him. Yeah. he Yeah. Because if they were there, I'm pretty sure they would have been killed too. They were going to do it anyway. It, mm-hmm. The plan was already in place. And Ernest knew that his wife and his, th- his three children were going to be there. Yeah. What's That's how despicable uh, this man was. The long con. Yeah, it was just awful. And kudos to White, man. So after after the investigation was over, after the trial was over and everything else, the FBI, they popped up. So now it became the Federal Bureau investigation. This was the case that they hung their hat on. Mm-hmm. This was this is why that we needed a federal police force. They ended up being able to carry firearms, which they currently do today. This was the big case that made the FBI. And Hoover was so happy about it. <laughs> he was extremely happy. He was However, shooting his White, shooters in the air. Who? No, Hoover didn't have guns. <laughs> Hoover Not, was a bookish young man who was a nerd. I just picture him with two six shooters. though. was like, yeehaw, just shooting him in the air. White became a very famous agent, and he was given the job, if he wanted it, to be the warden mm-hmm. of Leavenworth Prison. So at this time, Leavenworth was this huge, massive 33,000 capacity prison. It wasn't meant to have that many people. It was like at double capacity. And this was the worst of the worst. So a year after the trial, White took the job. And then one day, two prisoners pull up with the, with the marshals. Mm-hmm. The marshals are marching them in. They're, they're cuffed and chained up. And Hale and Ramsey are the, are the prisoners. Well, White meets him at the front of the gate, and Hale says, "How you doing, Tom?" And Ramsey says, "Howdy." <laughs> and when they talked to they talked to Hale and interviewed him, and they said, "How did White treat you?" And he said, "He treated me very well because White was like an honorable man. So what he did was he he wanted he was there to to change the the culture of the prison. Mm-hmm. At the time, the guards would beat the crap out of the prisoners. They would they would tie their arms to these posts and hose them." And then they would whip them and then they would pour salt water on them and then throw them in their cell. Man. And the guards thought it was just like a funny thing to do. So anything, any step out of line, you would get messed up. Yeah, such a power trip. Oh, yeah. Well, it was awful. And, and and I'm not saying that these guys, I mean, if you believe in torture, that's your own personal belief. I don't believe in any of that stuff. <laughs> these were the worst of the worst. And yeah. speaking of Carl Panzeram, if any of you guys ever read it, read the book, there's a book out there about Carl Panzeram. He, it is an amazing book. I can't remember it right now off the top of my head, but I read it. It's awesome. I'll probably post it. I'll look through my library and probably post a picture of it so you guys uh, could look at it. But Carl Panzeram 
was an awful serial killer, rapist, con man. He was just this, this awful man. And White was tasked to kill him. Man, not even not even bring him in, just kill him. He was like convicted and then he was deemed to be hung because of actions that he did in prison and all the other actions he had. So White pulled the handle and before they interviewed him, they asked him what they what he thought of uh, Tom White. And he said, he treated me like a gentleman. <laughs> so it's like even this psychopathic murder was like, I appreciated it. Yeah. <laughs> and he was talking to one of the guards who really got close to him. And he said that if you if it was between me, me and you, I would still kill you to get out of here. Like he was a <laughs> psychopath. Yeah, he didn't change. No. So that was another thing. And then the FBI, they decided after this case that Hale was that was it. Hale was the killer. For all the Osage murders, mm. Hale was a killer. But if we look back, there's no way Hale Even killed though, all these no, people. No. I'm sure he was involved, but... He wasn't involved in the Whitehorn murder. No. Oh, that's true. Because Whitehorn, what did you say about his wife? She coveted his money. Mm-hmm. Whitehorn's wife named was Hattie. And when White interviewed her, she said, if I told you, you'd send me to the electric chair. Yeah, so she like admitted it without admitting it. Right, because there was no evidence. Mm-hmm. So she obviously killed her husband and took his money. And then the two yeah. guys, the one that was stabbed at the billiards parlor, and then WW Vaughn. The one he was killed on the train, or they found his body. They off found the him train. on the Yeah, off the train. Was that Hale? Because he Hale didn't benefit from that. Mm-mm. So there's it a lot I mean, so many people involved. I think during this time. They were in the business to rip off what they said. They were in the Indian business. They were there to destroy, to take. And these people have suffered exponentially. And there is no justice. There's never justice. And then if you want the cherry on top of the cake or cherry on top of the ice cream, Sunday, what do you put cherries on? I like cherries on everything, so I don't know. Okay, put the cherries <laughs> on everything. Hale, Ramsey, and Burkhart. Mm-hmm. were paroled 17 years later. Yeah, they didn't even get close to a life sentence. So they did 17 years. And I think Hale lived, um, I think I have his his thing pulled up. Hale was 87 years old. He died in <laughs> 1962, and he was that released was so in crazy. 47. Like, that's he got to He got freaking, to hear rock and roll. 87? I mean, <laughs> 1962? Yeah, he got to hear rock and roll. What the heck? Like, that's crazy. So... I just, I mean, there is no justice. It's just an awful, awful thing. So we hope you guys enjoyed this. This was uh, Osage Indian Murders or the yeah, Osage Reign of Terror. Our, our first uh, four-parter. This was, is this, this four? Was I don't even know what it is. Gosh, yeah, it's, it's so much information. But like we said, a lot of this information from the book, Killers of the Flower Moon, mm-hmm. which they are turning into a movie. Well, they yeah, did turn it into a movie that's going to be released in October, I think, yeah, of 2023. Definitely going to go see it. It, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, it's Martin Scorsese's directing it. So yeah. hopefully he does it justice. Yeah. I don't know which specific case they're covering, but I know it is like about one specific. It's not like, oh, all of it. It's like one specific case. They're just uh, doing the book. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just going to be everything in the book. So it's going to be like the probably the... Oh. The FBI creation, and I don't know who's playing Tom White. It looks like Matt Damon is playing Maybe. Tom White because Matt Damon's like, I think Matt Damon's in his 40s and Tom White was like in his late 30s. So he's probably going to be the guy, but hopefully I do it justice. But like we said, for the people of the Osage, there is, there was no justice, but the murder started slowing down. The money ended up drying up because the oil ended up drying up. And now if you go there in that location today, it's like a ghost town and they're getting about $2,000 a year from their residuals and it's not okay. So it's a bad situation. Again, we hope you guys enjoy this episode, this series. And if you did, please tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell anybody you want, family, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at indigenous underscore tales. And also, if you can, please leave a review and rate us five stars on Apple and all the other ones. And if you do that, you can 
screenshot that, send it to infobhillnetwork.com with your alias and your mailing address for the lower fort or for not for lower 48 for all of the United States and Canada. <laughs> yeah, everybody. And we will send you a sticker. So just yeah. a little thank you for helping us out because that really does help us out a lot. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of reviews. We're almost at our, at our year mark and we're doing really well. Almost. So yeah. hopefully we can keep this going. And we thank you guys so much and appreciate you guys. You can send in show suggestions too. We want to hear from you. You can email us at info at or DM us on Instagram or however you want to contact us. Tell us, hey, maybe you guys can talk about this or we want to hear more true crime or you know, whatever you guys want to listen to, we are. Or if you have corrections from the show and you have information, we would love to be corrected. I love information. I want Mm -hmm. to be as factual as possible. So go ahead and send those in too. Or if you're part, or if you know, like Gabriel was saying suggestions and you know, that there are certain things that are going on in the world that need to Mm -hmm. be talked about. We would love to have a suggestion and create an episode for it. Give you a shout out and stuff. Hey, this one's suggested by Patty. (laughs) Pinkerton, I don't know. <laughs> First thing that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, because sh- shockingly enough, we we don't know everything. <laughs> so maybe nah, you know of a creature. Oh, no. speak for yourself. <laughs> maybe there's a creature that we never heard about that you know about, or something that's going on. You're like, hey, I've heard this story, and then we can look into it. So we want to hear your suggestions. Awesome, we sure do. Yeah. So until next time, I'm Joseph, and I'm Gabriel. You'll be remembered by the tracks you leave, and remain close to the Great Spirit. Patty Pinkerton. She's from the great line <laughs> Patty of Pinkertons. LaBelle. Patty LaBelle. She's over there. Uh, what did she sing? I thought that she was Anna Ross. Big wheels keep on burning. <laughs> oh, that is no, not the that. same person. I don't know who it is. All right. Bye. <laughs> if you're not spiritually connected to the earth and understand the spiritual reality of how to live on earth,